Welcome to the Geek to Geek podcast, where there's so much good stuff this year and last year, all years, not all years, but recently, there's a lot of good stuff. I'm Void. I'm here with my co-host, Beige. I'm the good stuff. Today you are, yes. Today we're talking about oh. all of this good stuff. Um, and we didn't know what to title it. It's just kind of like there's too much good stuff. I don't want to complain about it. That's not what we're here yeah. to do. But we're still catching up on like 2017 releases. And it, you know, January kind of felt like a good time to do it because not a lot releases. Um, but it's, you know, it's games, it's shows, it's movies. And like we're almost to February and we're still catching up on last year because so much released. And you and I were talking about this. I mean, there's there's like remasters we want to get to. I want to get to, you know, the FF9 um, on PS4. There's Shadow of Colossus yeah. that just came out. There's Final Fantasy XII that I haven't even really given a chance yet on PS4, but I like the features yep. that they announced. There's ports. So there's stuff like Stardew Valley on Switch that I've been picking away at. There's, you know, Zelda Breath of the Wild you added here because it's like you played it on one platform, but it's on another platform. Yep, but you know? I really like to play it on Switch because I like the Switch and I just haven't gotten to replaying through that one again on the the preferred platform yeah and i mean even just like new content in existing games because so many games are moving to that games as a service so it's like the final fantasy 15 i want to play all the dlc but i'm kind of waiting until all of it is out in the wild um Mm. there's that expansion path for breath of the wild i want to try that at some point um there's all these final fantasy 14 patches that i haven't even touched there's another one came out today i I didn't know it and i got an email today as we record this that 4.2 came out and I'm just like, oh my goodness, I didn't realize it had been that long already. Yeah, and you were mentioning that, like, WoW Legion has more content, too. And, I mean, yeah, you know, they're... like, there's multiplayer games. Like, I'm hooked lately on Fortnite, and I just started Monster Hunter this week. Um, You know, like, I haven't even touched the PvE in Fortnite because I'm so, like, into the Battle Royale. And I know you're playing Overwatch. We're both kind of touching on Hearthstone every once in a while. And those are, like, those games as a service evergreen games that that could be your one game forever if you're that kind of gamer, you know? And I mean, I've, you and I talked before about with Hearthstone where you haven't we haven't really even dug into the new Kobolds and Catacombs stuff. Like we've played a little bit of it, but I feel like there's something that I need to go back and do that. It's just yeah, it's just even evergreen games feel like I can't stay up with them. I know. And and I mean that's not even talking about new games. So this week alone no. there was Dragon Ball Fighter Z or Fighters I d I don't know which one it is. Um <laughs> I don't either. I think it's Dragon Ball Fighter Z, but they spelled it in a weird way. There's a Monster Hunter World. There's Celeste, which I really want to get to. It looks amazing. It came out of nowhere for me. I was not tracking that game. And then I've heard a lot of good things about Iconoclasts. Mm-hmm. Um, and that, like you said, you wanted to get back to Battlefront 2 and like Elder Scrolls Online Mauer Ma- Mauer Mauerwind. Yeah, there you go. Um, Persona 5, you know, and that's like games. That's not even mentioning all the shows and movies. There's like a Godzilla on Netflix that I want to check out. There's a half season of Rebels that I somehow missed, but it's out there already. <laughs> Are you serious? Yeah, there's uh, whatever season they're on, season four. There's like half a season done. And I found out about it because they had their like um, second half of the season trailer just came out. And I was like, wait, second half of what season? You know? Oh, man. Yeah. So you must have missed that, too. Yeah. No idea. Well, I haven't finished season three either. So I've been kind of just off of Rebels for a bit. So I, man, I didn't know that you were off of it that far. Yeah. Yeah. And then um, 
so like catching up on stuff weekly so like star trek discovery is coming out every week i keep forgetting to catch up on it because i hate weekly shows at this point i just want to binge something you know and then speaking of bingeable there's a ton of netflix originals that i keep intending to get around to and i just i don't know i don't know where the time is and then like you're working Mm -hmm. on books right yeah i mean i'm still trying to get through words of radiance so that i can get into oathbringer i'm about i think 40 percent through it now i looked and it's just i want these are such massive undertakings it's like I still want to get into Collapsing Empire by John Scalzi that you were talking about and the the whatever the Mars one was that you were talking about uh, last year that I can't remember now. I bought the first one on Audible with one of my credits. Um, yes, it was Red Rising. Where- where I want to get into that series and it's just like I don't have enough time to be time and energy to devote to getting through literally all like all of this content is too good for me to be able to focus on one area and really just dive and, and burrow through it because that's what's happened with the Mistborn books. I really did just have to set myself a goal of, okay, I'm going straight through this at the, you know, I'll get to Red Rising and all of this when I finish that part. Yeah. And it's, and it's, it's like, hard. It's hard, but it's it's not a bad problem to have. Like, we don't no. want to come here to complain about it. The, the topic we wanted to talk about really quick was just like, how do we choose? Like, how do we decide what we're going to spend time on? And I kind of want to kick it over to you first, because I know I've talked about this topic a lot in the past. And, you know, you have your ways of doing it. And I've tried so hard. We'll get into yours and we'll talk about that, like you said. But it's like you have so many lists, like you really structure yours out. And for me, I've tried to be organized about it. I've made the list and use Wonderlist um, and just tried to put everything where it needs to belong and then look through it and rationally or irrationally. I mean, it's like, oh, I don't feel like watching this tonight, but I'm going to watch it anyway i cannot do that that i am far too finicky and indecisive to be able to to really uh dive in on something that i really don't want to um i think it came from my dad at one point when i was trying to convince him to watch or read twilight um about a year before he died he looked at me and he said uh son is this any good and i'm like well it's not really good but you can make fun of it he was like why would you waste your time on something that's just not good and I think that's kind of where it, it comes for me right now. And even if I want to get through something, I have a hard time really s- settling in on it because I'm afraid it's not going to be the best thing that I can I can w- be watching at that time. And so I end up getting overwhelmed and falling back on something comfortable. Like I'll always go back to Overwatch or New Girl or Parks and Rec, something that I can take in very small segments that I can just go episodically and then do that and then I'll like experiment very slowly with something new Uh, like I'll watch I've watched one episode of Black Mirror after you and I talked about it last week or the week before I went and I watched one episode of it and it was absolutely fantastic but I haven't had that uh, that weird internal oh yeah this is the right mood I'm in since or since then to go back and watch any more of Black Mirror I have a really really weird way when something like clicks it's like oh yep this is exactly what I'm in the mood to dig through uh, it'll happen with video games and TVs and movies and books everything it's just there's something some ineffable quality of whatever I'm watching or reading that has to be hit on that I cannot describe at all. Like I I don't know ahead of time what it's going to be. Well, see, it's interesting because like I have a lot of the same feelings that you do, which is why I do the lists because I, if I don't do what I'm doing right now, um, 
I forget what the options are out there. I forget the things that I want to check out. And just because I put something on a list doesn't mean that I'm going to watch it all. It means it's something that I'm going to check out, you know? So if it's on a list and then I like run into it, like I'll go give it a shot. But a lot of the time it's like 10 minutes, maybe 30 minutes. And I know whether it's right or not. And I'll bounce to something else. Um, the way I have my list structured and we had an episode about this. It was a long time ago now, but it's in the backlog. If you're interested in my entire system, I'm not going to get into all of the minutiae right now. Um, but essentially, I have a different list that I keep in Wonderlist for shows, movies, like anything watchable. I have one that's books or anything readable, kind of. Um, and then I have one that's games. And then I kind of have a catch-all for evergreen stuff that it's like, if I never, you know, if I don't want something new, here's like a bunch of things just not to forget about. Um, and that's, that's my basic structure at the moment. So... A lot of the time I've found that I can decide, do I want to be reading something, watching something, or playing something, which is why the structure is what it is. And then I'll literally just go to the top item on the list and start there. And if I bounce from a couple things, then I'm like, okay, maybe I don't actually want to be reading tonight or I don't want to be watching TV <laughs> tonight, you know? Um, but it's yeah. the same problem you have. I've just done it in a structured way because if I don't build that structure, I will waste all of my free time because it is so limited with kids. Yeah. Like, I just don't have time to mess around. Like, I used to, and when I say used to, I'm talking about, like, two and a half years ago, three years ago, like, not very long before we started the podcast, I would find myself at night just, like, flipping through Netflix. Like, what's the best thing? What's the optimal thing? Yeah. What's going to bring me the most happiness? And then two hours goes by and I haven't done anything and I have to go to bed. Like that happened to me with, <laughs> it did. I mean, it happened to me with streaming services. It happened to me with video oh. games. It happened to me with reading. It happened to me with everything. And I had this constant like itch in the back of my head. Like what you're doing isn't optimal. Like this isn't making you the happiest. There's gotta <laughs> yes. be something else out there. So by putting it all down in writing, I can see all of my options in front of me in like 10 seconds. And that has made right. all the difference. Does that kind of make sense? It does. I can see how it works for you. And I, like I said, I've tried it. Whenever I have something on a list, I feel as though, and this is entirely mental, I feel as though it is needs to be ordered up and down, like top of the list has to be looked at right now. And if I'm scrolling through like my Netflix list, it's just like, oh, I'm going through this. I'll see something when it pops up. Where I add a ton of stuff to my list and then don't get wait uh like have my time wasted by scrolling through different categories where i'll do that see just as i see it but when i've tried it with wonderlist it's just it's almost as though it's too rigid because it's all up front i have a really weird way of looking at things <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I guess like I have some lists in Wonderlist, like what I do for work that I actually have dates on everything. And, you know, it keeps me like deadline driven. Right. But I don't, I don't do that with my free time. It's like literally just a list that I'm constantly kind of shuffling around. I, I guess that's the other thing is like I try to keep them flexible just because something's at the top of the list doesn't mean that's what I'm going to do. And probably once a week, I'll just kind of absentmindedly look at all of them and like drag and drop and reorder everything in right. there based on how I'm feeling at any given moment. You know, like over the last six months, that Persona 5 New Game Plus has drifted up to the top of the list. I don't even know how many times and then drifted back down and uh, just yeah. like it hasn't happened yet, but it will happen eventually. So, yeah, I mean, part of it is not keeping it too rigid, but still having it like here are all your options. It's outside my head. I don't have to feel like I'm forgetting something. And then because I'm not worried about that aspect, I can actually enjoy whatever it is in front of me. You know, with, I'm 
with that in mind, like how much stuff you do go through, I mean, you go through a whole bunch of different media, especially compared to me. And I'm, I was wondering, like, because my fallback is always something comfortable, that it's something that makes me feel just just warm and cozy. As I'd say to Jennifer, like, cozy, I'm all cozy now. And uh, that's how I feel when I'm watching one of these. It's like you snuggle up in a blanket, it's on the couch, it's like, mm, I'm cozy. Like, New Girl, The Parks and Rec, Overwatch, like I said, those are the ones that do that for me where I don't even have to think about it. Do you have anything like that that you just fall back on as a game where it's just like, you know what, I just need something comfortable and familiar tonight, like regardless of everything else? Because I know you'll, that you tend to go back to like evergreen games when it's something new, when there's something, uh, some reason to go back and then get hooked again for a while. So is there anything that you feel like is comforting to you where it's just like, I've had a bad day? I'm going to go blow somebody up with Reaper. Nope. Uh, nope, I don't. It kind of sucks. I've I've tried. I can't find something that is always like there and it fits the yeah. bill. You know, I've I've realized more and more that my fallback is to like do a little bit of productivity around the house because mm, okay. with two kids, um it's just there's always stuff to be done. So, <laughs> yeah. A lot of it is like I can't find something right now. I am going to like do the dishes or do the laundry or pick up one of their rooms or like I don't know. There there's a million household right. projects that need to happen. So, if I can't decide, I might as well be productive is kind of my thinking these days. Yeah, but no, I mean like yeah. on my list, like I said, I have that evergreen list and I don't actually go to it all that often. Like it's not it's not really um, a fallback comforting list. It's just like, a, hey, here's some other stuff to try if none of the new stuff is grabbing you. Um, okay. But I, I don't have one that I go to. You know, I I have at certain times in my life, but I haven't had just one game or one movie or one TV show in a really long time. Yeah, and I don't know what it is about those three in particular that really do hit that for me, just depending on what 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 mood I'm in if I want to play or just lie down and watch something. But really, I was having a terrible, I was in a terrible mood the other morning, having a terrible morning. And Jennifer and I were sitting and talking and I was just grouchy and I just looked at her, patted her on the leg. We we're sitting side by side and I just patted her on the leg and I was like... I'm going to go blow somebody up for a little while, then I'll be better. And just came in here, literally logged on to Reaper, shot some people in the face with some shotgun, a shotgun, and then walked back into the other room. And I was like, okay, I just had to like vent that where it was, I was frustrated. I turned off all the chat and voice chat where I didn't have to deal with actual Overwatch players. And then, uh, and then that was what I needed where it was just a comforting vent, a way of venting for me. It's kind of like the way, and watching Parks and Rec or New Girl is just like hanging out with my friends because it's just like I like these people and I can lay here and not do anything yeah I wish I had that I know most people do yeah. you know my wife has shows like that um I know you have shows and games and like I just I haven't in such a long time like I I'm constantly looking for that which is why I keep that evergreen list because sometimes right. over time something kind of shows itself as a good fallback for me but no nothing nothing right now nothing off the top of my head but yeah I mean that's kind of why we want to talk about this there's just there's so much out there um i guess the only other aspect i wanted to cover before we bounce over to weekly geekery is because there are so many games coming out all the time like yes. if you guys don't know gaming is my main thing like i go out of my way to keep up on it because i have fun with that and i'm willing to pay day one prices on a lot of things because of that aspect but most people aren't and that's fine but because of that it's like I'm I'm really worried that we're going to get to video game crash here sometime soon. And I know I've mentioned this a couple times, but it's like the relentless pace of releases from last year and then 
already uh-huh. it's picking up. You know, January is not over as we're recording this, and the pace is already picking up. Like that's kind of insane. It it doesn't feel sustainable. Does it? And I've seen a lot of stuff in terms of reporting and just economics wise about like video gamer satisfaction in just how many duds there have been over the last few years and specifically where a lot of the companies are going like in terms of VR and like I want to say that the the last survey they took and I don't remember where it was at but there was a, a big survey that said that the gamers are already losing interest in VR uh like at a at a way higher rate than they got interested in it that they're losing interest in it now and it just makes me worry about the same thing because with us talking last week about what was it the frostbite engine yeah is is what it was called i mean with stuff like that those the ea decisions and just all of this it's We've talked a lot in the, we had a AAA uh, gaming episode a year ago, maybe a year and a half, and where we were discussing this then, and it's only gotten worse, where that was before Mass Effect Andromeda, I believe, and it was before all of these games just started pushing out on the same weekends and getting overshadowed by each other. I mean, Horizon Zero Dawn got overshadowed by Zelda Breath of the Wild so hard, and then a couple of years ago where we had Titanfall 2 uh, called of duty infinite warfare and was it battlefield one out in the same week it's just it's crazy there's there's no way for this to be sustainable like you said and and not let them uh be quality i mean we're getting a lot of high quality indie games but i think that's the direction that this market is going where i'm having a harder time keeping up with indie games i want to play than i am with triple a games Oh, yeah, me too. I mean, and we've talked about this a little bit in the past, but it's like that um, bifurcation of the industry into AAA and indie and nothing in between. So because we don't have those like mid-tier, mid-range games anymore, they just don't really exist in a form that they used to. We are seeing that like indies come out and they're not even getting the like the attention that they Mm -mm. deserve sometimes um but then on the other end of it we're seeing the same thing from triple a like there are games that come out and just get overshadowed by all of the other triple a games that come out that week or that month and because of that some of these games aren't doing as well as they would have if they released a year ago or two years ago or just somewhere in the release calendar where there was time to breathe because that doesn't really exist in the same way that it did in 2016 basically and i mean the same thing happens in other media as well and other industries that this isn't a solely video game oriented problem no because whenever i released my my novels back in 2012 i think was when i released my first one with birthright it the market was completely different and i came late to the self-publishing game and i still did really really well with it and i've given up that aspect of business and creativity now because the market is so flooded with people who the just the the way that you have to release things in order to be seen to the way you have to market that it's impossible for somebody to do it as a side hustle that there's it's impossible unless you're playing the sem game unless you're marketing through facebook ads and all of these email lists that you can even get seen over all the ones that are coming out every day and i think that you know steam and all of the the ways that 
make it way more accessible for indies to get out there and is a wonderful thing but it's also hurting in the same way not 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 nearly it's not as bad a thing i'm glad that it's there don't let me say that i'm really glad no, no, these, but I know these markets mean. are there there's, but there's a visibility the, problem basically yeah, the is accessibility what doesn't necessarily mean that you're visible that you have visibility yeah exactly and like the app store has the same thing like i browse yeah. the app store looking for new stuff because i like to play things on my phone even if it's only for a day or two just messing around with some free-to-play yep. title and it's so hard to find new things that are good you can find new things but it's buried in so much junk, you know? So it's like all of these platforms now are dealing with visibility issues. Netflix is dealing with visibility issues too. They're producing so much Netflix originals content that no one of their pieces is really getting the attention that they wanted it to. Like they talked about this on one of their latest uh, earnings calls or something. Okay. Where like, yeah, they're investing more money next year than they ever have in original content. But they said that one of their focuses going forward is actually getting that content in front of people because there were shows that came out in the last year that haven't gotten much views like they they just haven't been watched and they're super high quality it's that you know it's that old like newspaper dilemma when you only have so many column inches right and like that in a digital world you only have so much space in a screen you only have so many things you can put in front of one person um so you have to make decisions about that and the algorithms that put things in front of us, sometimes it feels like I just get the same thing messaged to me in 10 or 15 different mm-hmm. ways instead of new stuff. So it's it's frustrating there. But yeah, I mean, I think we're feeling it across like everything right now. Yeah, and I mean, you're, you're absolutely right with Netflix. That's one where I have a harder time than anything. I can watch a lot more stuff and find new things I want to watch on Amazon. Netflix is actually my third choice in terms of online streaming right now that I very rarely use it unless there's something specific i'm going for because they don't have a customers always watched um on the ps4 and i know they used to have one and they took it away on the console apps and so i use amazon so that i can see related things that uh, i may not have known because the documentaries tab on netflix just keeps bringing up these same five things i've seen a hundred times on there and don't want to watch and then but i also i would like a related topic thing i love related topics i love suggested uh recommendations and that's one way that i deal with that like if i'm in a mood like this last the last couple of weeks i told you i was watching like fitness and running documentaries that's how i've discovered a lot of these is through customers always watch i'm like oh there's a cool one that i haven't seen before i didn't know existed those kind of things work and you know, for some reason, Netflix, with its problems in terms of getting visibility, all they do is targeted promotion instead of that kind of organic reach like that and letting people see, oh, other people like me liked this. I mean, I will would by far I trust that far more than something that says is a 98 percent match on Netflix for me. Yeah, I mean, it's it's a super hard problem to solve. And everybody's dealing with it right now. Like I see it at work, too. Yeah. You know, like I work oh, yeah, in e-commerce. Sure like we have to merchandise what we have. You only have so much you can get in front of a person at one time. What's the best way to do it? How do you message that? And I mean, yeah. like that is so small compared to the issues that Netflix or Amazon uh, <laughs> have, you know, in comparison. Or like Google. I mean, you know, YouTube. YouTube is constantly having trouble oh, with man. their algorithm. They're always in the news because their algorithm did something that made somebody upset for whatever reason or another so yeah i mean it's something 
that I'm very interested in going forward, seeing how people solve it. Like we see it everywhere, you know, not not just like YouTube and video streaming and Netflix, but like the App Store too. Like Apple has moved over to this curated model. They have that new tab ever since the latest iOS update to like feature apps of the day and actually like write an article about it and pull one app out at a time or maybe like a small group of like three or four related apps and actually give them like space to breathe. So Oh wow. Yeah, I don't know. I, if I, it, I haven't seen that since I've moved off of uh, Apple, but that's that's a fantastic way to do it because I like things like that because they're they're small and bite sized. I mean, I'm the target demographic for seeing that by by pulling it out. Yeah, it's curated content versus algorithmic content, and there's no real answer yet. But that's probably a topic we can revisit another day. It, it's interesting to talk about. Um, Okay, let's take a quick break for a network promo. You guys can check out other shows on the network. Um, I suggest all of them because I listen to them all every week. Uh, there's Geekitude with Joe Hogan. There's the Comic Box with Rob, and he often has guests on there. He's had a couple of really good episodes in a row with like different guests back-to-back. I know that Katie and Chelsea's episode of Tea Time this week covered Classic Lit. I'm not sure what Rob and um, Joe did yet this week, but... Katie and Chelsea talked about like classic lit being like modernized and adapted and stuff. It was a really good episode to listen to. And like I said, I don't know what Rob did this week, but last week he ended up doing a really cool episode about Batman and like Batman's romances and like different characters they've done over the years and how they fit and how it works with Bruce Wayne versus Batman. That was a really cool one to listen to. Um, I'm really excited for his upcoming Black Panther ones with it coming out in a couple of weeks. I'm excited to get the backstory and stuff like that. They always does with the recaps and prep for the new Marvel. Marvel movies. Yeah, and I mean Joe has had a really cool couple episodes of Geekitude. Um one of them was about like classic WoW and what he wants to see from classic WoW servers. Like he had somebody else on who does some of those private server stuff. So that was really cool to listen to too. And Joe always has really good guests. Like he goes out of his way to find some of the most interesting guests that I've ever heard on podcasts that I always love. Uh love seeing just the people he finds. Yes. Yes. We love the network. Go listen to everybody. Okay. Um let's bounce to Weekly Geekery. So what do you have this week? I think I have less than you this week, so I'll go uh, because part of mine actually ties into our main topic. On I've been watching a bunch of YouTube channels on running, and I know that all you guys are like, oh my God, he's talking about running again. And uh, part of it is that they came up through algorithms that I was looking through trying to find things to watch, and then I kept getting suggestions for these other like major uh, running channels that came up, and two of my favorites that I've really found are the Ginger Runner and vo2 max productions i really really like them because it's not just some dude in his backyard talking about running that uh the ginger runner in particular actually takes the cinematography part of it like he shows some really beautiful beautiful like ultra running landscapes that there's no way a person like me will ever get to see so when i've just been looking up like running tips on how to breathe better that kind of thing has taken me down the uh, rabbit hole to find some really really fantastic uh, like landscape shots in these uh, in these channels. So I really I think both of those guys did uh, people. I mean, I shouldn't even say guys. Uh, those teams do really good jobs on uh, those channels with the Ginger Runner and VO2 Max. Um, they 
that's not something I usually like gush about our YouTube channel. So when I found a couple I really liked and look forward to, I wanted to mention them. Um, the same thing with, I found a bunch of different Facebook running groups that I really, really don't like Facebook as a social network for people I know, but I love being able to get into Facebook groups with different people because they're kind of like forums used to be for me that I was a huge forums guy. And, uh, now I can go in and there are a lot of targeted interest based Facebook groups that I'm a member of and that pretty much takes up all of my feed so finding running ones to add in with all of the uh, gaming and Divi ones I'm in those are that's really nice and so I've also been like weirdly paying attention to cryptocurrencies lately like it's not my thing I'm, I'm the kind of guy who wishes I'd bought a hundred dollars in bitcoins like 10 years ago but that's that's not not ever going to be me I uh I'm looking at it because I get the Google app keeps telling me things that it wants me to listen to or wants me to read. And so I'm like constantly going through every day. The Google app gives me a notification and it's like, oh, here's some stuff we found for you today, this curated content. And a lot of it has to do with cryptocurrency and like crypto economics. And I'm just like enjoying it so much. Just I've had some articles at work I've had to write about it. And it's just like, oh, my goodness, this is so interesting. And I don't like real economics, but I really like the idea of crypto economics and blockchain. And so I'm actually trying to figure out a way right now. I've been watching it up and down for like the last three weeks now trying to figure out a way just to be able to make like a hundred to two hundred dollars at a time and then take my money out and then once it clears take put more back in when it drops again and really just literally play it for a few hundred dollars at a time and see what i can do uh Ooh, based on I have all this a way stuff for you to do that let's talk off air <laughs> Okay, cool. Uh, and Jennifer is okay with this, so that uh, that makes me happy that she's like, okay, if you think you can really do it, like that, that's great. So uh, I'm looking at that. I find that, I found that stuff very fascinating too. So I've been looking into it also, but let's discuss. We can always report back later, right? And so, like, and in terms of just stuff that has no, ha, that's back more on our normal topic, like you told me about Iconoclasts, a uh, video game you mentioned earlier, which is kind of a Metroidvania indie game that just came out after like eight or ten years of development, I think. And I've played a little bit of it. I haven't played a lot of it, but from an art perspective, it looks like Stardew Valley. Like it really feels like Stardew Valley feels when I'm playing it. Like controller in hand, moving the little character around, like the sprites on screen feel like I'm moving Stardew Valley. That's it though. I mean, that's just what it reminds me of is the way it feels. Um, it, because it's, you know, side scroller, uh, Metroidvania instead of like Harvest Moon. But um, it has an auto aim which is really, really nice. When things are at an angle from you, they it just shoots them. And you only have to, like, you press the button and it aims up, but it doesn't do it every time. It gives you enough time to be able to aim it there yourself, which is an absolutely amazing quality of life feature. Haven't gotten far enough to really see any of the real items and puzzles that are in it yet, but there's a wrench where you have this, like, giant monkey wrench, and you can go around and, like, you unlock doors and move things around by loosening up hydraulic valves basically and if they rely on it later on in the game as much as they rely on it in the beginning it's going to get really really old but I'm hoping that its use gets pulled back some as you move along because right now that's why I haven't moved any further is because I'm really tired of having to wrench things <laughs> that okay. was that was it um, and I know it will go on but it was just one of 
listening to like this part's not fun there's too much of this and i just went on and played something else sure um, yeah and, and that, that was one that like i just saw a couple of interesting articles about it when it came out it was not on my radar before that and i sent you one because it sounded yep. like some of the other metroidvanias you've been playing lately and then you mm-hmm. picked it up right away so i'm glad that you tried it, it at least it looks really cool like it was it's cheap enough i think it was like 20 bucks on steam i had steam credit and it's something that i know i'm going to go back to it was just one of those i was not in the mood to turn those screws that day (laughs) so um and then my next one is monster hunter world but i think you have more of it to say more to say about it than i do so i'll just tune in because i played maybe an hour and a half of it at this point. yes okay we will discuss that in a second um i have some other stuff first so you guys if you are interested in star wars especially if you're interested in the last jedi there's an interview on a podcast i had never listened to before it's called the slash Filmcast. so it's like a forward slash and then film cast um they had an interview with ryan johnson and he came on and just talked about like his process and his reaction to some of the criticisms and then he answered a bunch of questions too so i don't have like any one or two takeaways because it's really like a solid two hours of good conversation um so if you're interested if you're a star wars fan if you have thoughts one extreme or the other or even middling about the last jedi it is (laughs) worth your time to go check that interview out i also got the box for gloomhaven this week and I sent okay. it to you. I sent yep. it to a bunch of my friends. What did you think? What were your first reactions? It's a board game. If you guys don't know. That, okay. I know nothing about the game itself, but it's in one of the biggest boxes that a game CCG board game like have ever seen. The only game I can think of that's was, that was bigger than this was the old Republic Collector's Edition that had a statue in it. <laughs> Yeah, so this is legitimately the biggest and heaviest game in my board game collection. Easily, easily. Like, it's a massive box. It's huge. Yeah, it's huge. Um, So I got the box this week. I uh, Ordering this thing was interesting so it was this game has been on my radar because um shut up and sit down did a review of it and then i started looking into it because it seemed like something i would have fun with um and then once i started researching it like it had been climbing up the ranks on board game geek which if you guys don't know board game geek it's like the source for board game information on the internet it looks horrible it looks like it's from the 90s but there's no better database of board game data on the internet than board game geek so they have rankings and Gloomhaven was slowly climbing up it. And so like a couple days after I watched that shut up and sit down review, um, Gloomhaven hit number one on board game geek. And oh, wow. They were in the middle of wrapping up their second printing, which they had done a Kickstarter for So this is a Kickstarter game from a year ago, maybe a little bit more than that. Um, what, like I think about a year ago is when people got the first printing of it, the first edition. And it immediately sold out like every extra copy that they made immediately sold out and it became this like cult classic so the guy didn't have enough cash on hand to do a second printing so he turned around and right away did another kickstarter for a second huh. printing so wow. he said that he he structured the second kickstarter so that if things were to sell out again he would never have to go back to kickstarter um he structured his company in a way that he could keep like reprinting it from then on so all of these people who were more into it than I was, because I, I didn't hear about it until very recently, <laughs> um, picked it up in the second printing. And then he said, we're printing so many extra in the second edition that like there's no way we're going to sell out. Well, guess what happened on day one? Oh, man. Yeah. That's insane. Well, between that second printing going to print and it actually hitting store shelves, it hit number one on Board Game Geek. So it, it was one that like I had my eye on 
And then I thought that maybe it would be rare. So I was just kind of like, I knew the street date. So I was refreshing on Amazon and I must have gotten lucky and seen it within like an hour of it going live because I got it for less than retail price. And when less? I less than retail, yeah, because it's Amazon. So it was like a couple oh, okay, bucks okay. off. I got you. Okay. Yeah. So, I mean, it retails for, like I said, biggest board game in my collection, largest box, all of that stuff. It retails for 140 which I don't normally pay that much for, like, any side activity. Um, I got it for 130 ish on Amazon. I think it was 133 okay. plus front prime shipping on a giant heavy package like that. Like, this that thing's alone. giant, y'all. Y'all need to Google it right now. Yeah. Just whatever you're doing, unless you're driving, Google it. Google Gloomhaven and look at the box. It's, it's crazy. So... Uh, within like a day or two of me getting that, I looked back at it and it was selling for $500 from third-party resellers. So mm. apparently it's hard to find again and it's probably going to have to go back for a third printing. We'll see what ends up happening. My goodness. I didn't realize that that much went into it. I knew it was a Kickstarter game and I knew that the box was like nuts, but I had no idea that all of that went into it. Like there was that much desire for it because it was that good. Yeah, so this is a game that I want to play with my daughter. We kind of like scoped it out together because she was looking for a game that right. had persistence because she liked when my brother and I had been playing Pandemic Legacy. She's like, oh, I like that you can make characters. I like that it carries over from game to game and it doesn't restart every time. And then she's been getting into, and I know I talked about this the last couple of weeks, but doing more like adult board games that actually mm -hmm. have complicated rules. She can get her head around that now. So this was the game that she and I decided together, like we're going to get into this one. Um, so I also ordered a storage solution because this game has a ridiculous amount of components <laughs> and like you don't say I, I don't normally do that i'll usually use whatever insert is in the box and then i'll just pair that up with some deck boxes i have laying around or some plastic baggies like ziplocs no big deal Th that will right. not work for this game um if i did that i'm sure that every setup and teardown would take probably an hour or more so i actually oh man like i haven't played the game because i don't want to punch out the punch board because there are so many components until i get that storage solution in my hand so that's why i talked about the box and the ordering because i haven't actually played yet <laughs> but i you, will but I will. that's why you have children that, that that you know she can sit down and punch out all of the cards for everything no i and... have no problem punching it out i just don't want them to get all mixed up and crazy before i get the storage solution uh, okay 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 it's not the actual punching them out no. okay it, it, okay i got you it's them getting all mixed together and then me having to sort that out later i don't want to do that that's understandable yeah so gloomhaven i'm really excited for it um yeah we'll see we'll see when i get that storage solution then i will definitely play it it will hit the table a lot so i'll report back besides that in the last week i mostly played fortnite battle royale and i played a bunch more slay the spire so i talked about them last week i wanted to talk a little bit more in depth about a couple of them just because i've been having good experiences mm -hmm. so like slay the spire i don't think i gave the dungeon crawl very much talk last week that's one of the things i like about it because it's not just a right. deck building game um there's actually like nodes on a map and they can be like a mystery or you can land on one and it gives you like a scenario like an actual written out scenario and kind of a choose your own adventure like you have to pick between a couple hard choices um there can be a campfire where you can rest up or you can upgrade your cards into a better version of that card uh, okay. There are monsters that you can see on the map sometimes. Sometimes they're hiding behind the mysteries. There are elite monsters that if you kill them, you get like unique items that will change your way of playing from then on. But they're a lot harder to take out. So it's just kind of cool to like see 
the deck building mechanic applied to like more of a structure outside of just playing the cards you know there's like this meta yeah. dungeon crawl to it that's a lot of the fun that one really seems neat to me the part that gets me to like hesitate on it is the roguelike aspect where i know that you had mentioned that it was slightly roguelike where once you fail like you have to start back again i mean you're you're building a deck it's a deck building game so that's something you know me i hate doing the same thing over and over and over again yeah i mean i guess the way i see it is that it's a really good deck building board game but it's just digital so it's like yeah you're restarting every time but that's basically what you do every time you get out a board game that's not a legacy or a persistent game anyway yeah so that's kind of the way i view it um there are two classes in the game right now. So there's the Ironclad, which I've only played with a tiny bit. It's kind of like the general all-around warrior type guy, and he regens after every battle, which kind of changes the way you play because you can be a little more aggressive. You can take a little more damage because you get that regen. And then there is the Silent, which is the one that I've been playing the most of. So it's kind of like uh, the description was a deadly huntress from the Foglands eradicates foes <laughs> with daggers and poisons. And that's not a bad description. So I've been playing around with kind of two different ways to build this deck as I like replay it over and over. Um, one has been poison, which has been really interesting to like see all of the poison mechanics and figure out ways to like play off of the poison. Um, so just like stacking those in your deck and then stacking other cards that will do things if people are already poisoned. And then the other way that I've been building it is this like low cost dagger throwing thing so there's a bunch of cards you can get that will put like zero cost attacks in your hand that are like throwing daggers basically um and i've gotten that mixed with some cards that will like boost how much energy you have the next round mixed with like i don't know there's just like an interesting engine with that character where you can get a bunch more actions and you can get a bunch of cheap actions all at the same time to the point where you have this like giant handful of cards and you can use all of them in one turn so that's been really cool to play around with yeah, those kind of decks are always fun in games, too, where you're just uh, just rapid-firing cards just to win. Yeah, so, I mean, it's just cool to see. It's a, it's a really solid card game at its base, and there's all these different ways to build both characters, and, like, not all the characters are even in the game yet, and it's already fantastic. So I still really like it. I put a bunch of time into that. The other thing I did was Fortnite Battle Royale, which I still haven't touched the PvE mode. Did you ever try PvE? Uh, Not PvE, no. I realized I hated the game so much, I just uninstalled it on my computer and PS4 because it's just not something I like at all. That is like, funny because I'm loving it. It's basically oh, my it. evergreen game of choice at the moment. Um, I got, this last week, I got second in solo queue one time. And I'm nice. very, very proud of that. I think I've um, gotten eighth is the highest I've gotten okay. in uh, in solo. So, like, I'm picking up on strategies, right? So I can consistently get in the top 15 fairly easily. That's not hard for me. Mm-hmm. Um, my hard part now is trying to win once I get to that point. So... I'm kind of either doing one thing or another at this point. My two main strategies when I'm deploying at the beginning is either I'll do my strategy that gets me into the top 15, which I'm not going to give that away right now, but <laughs> it's um, it, it works fairly consistently. I'm either going to do that or I'm going to dive into like a super heavily populated area and just know that I'm probably going to get killed right away. But then I'm at least getting that combat experience because that's what I need once you get towards the end game. And I just haven't had enough conflicts um to really be good at it does that make sense yes it absolutely does the combat is not like normal action game combat if that makes sense it's like it's i think part of what bothers me so much is that the messaging doesn't really feel that great like when i'm getting shot i don't necessarily know where i'm getting shot from and that makes a game like this 
more frustrating than it should be. See, that aspect I think works really well because if you're able to sneak up on someone, then they shouldn't instantly be able to know where you're shooting them from. Like that was a good job on whoever snuck up on you. You know, there are other things that I am adjusting to still with combat. So like the fact that you can build in the middle of combat, I'm still not good at that. And I go up against people constantly who in the middle of shooting at me, they'll throw up a couple walls in the stairway. And I'm like, oh yeah, I can build. Like, I think about it when I'm not in the middle of combat, but I forget how it can become its own wing of how you do combat. Like, you can, when you get good at it, because I've seen people do this, you can throw down a wall and a stairway in like half a second, and then you can run up to the top of the stairs and like jump off. Or you can just like peek your head above the top stair just slightly so you can shoot over it, but your whole body isn't exposed. So... There's a lot of cool like building mechanics that go into this game that again, I'm not bad at them when I take a second to like build a base or like build some structures that I need to get from point A to point B, but I need to get better at integrating that into my combat um yeah. in Battle Royale. And then like a bunch of the weapons, like I think shotgun and submachine guns have started clicking with me. Um I'm still working on some of the longer range stuff, so like assault rifles and sniper rifles. I'm really bad with pistols. I've gotten zero kills <laughs> with pistols. And one of the things about this game is that it's still early access. And one of the ways that I can tell is that, you know, in Hearthstone, when you get daily quest, you have the three and uh-huh. there's that little button where you can reject one every day and have it fill with something new that doesn't exist. Nope, does so not. I have been stuck on a pistol daily quest for about a week and a half. All I need to do is get two pistol kills. I have gotten zero. And wow. Just two. It is driving me insane. Like, I, that quest is the bane of my existence right now. Oh, but anyway, I really like the game. I'm getting better at it. Um, I'm learning the map, which has been interesting. I'm learning kind right. of some good, like, treasure chest placements on the map. So if I drop into an area, I don't drop into it with a chest in mind. But once I start to wander around, I go, oh, I've been here before. I think there's a chest right here. And there usually is. So that's pretty right. cool to see, too, just to, like, get better through play you know and that's what that's what good games do that was one of my favorite things about the indie game documentary was it was talking about like not having to tell people exactly how to play the game but letting them learn on their own and it was i was like super meat boy absolutely does that and since then it's been in the back of my head when games either do or don't do that (laughs) yes um okay and then the last thing this week i played monster hunter world i probably put eight hours into it yet okay and I'm not ready to give a verdict or much information because I'm still, there's so much to learn. There's so much in this game, but yes, I do want to say this is the first monster hunter where I did not immediately feel overwhelmed, which is a okay. huge, huge improvement over everyone I've tried in the past. Um, and this is the first monster hunter game I've played period. I've never played okay. any of the others. So I didn't feel overwhelmed either. I felt slightly lost, but not overwhelmed. And see, that's that's a key difference. Like, I think the challenge here with this game was that getting people far enough in to want to learn more. And I never had that happen in the other ones. I would bounce off because they would throw every system at you and they would make you do these like dumb quests to like collect mushrooms as like your second quest. It's like I thought this was about hunting monsters. Um, And Monster Hunter World is so much better at that. It's still not great. The tutorials still need work. Um, I still think the best thing that I possibly could have done is what I did in beta, which was as soon as I could try every weapon, I just went to the training room and I tried every single weapon until I found one that clicked. Because I hate the training room. 
oh i hate it too it's not good there this game still needs a good tutorial it doesn't really have it like <laughs> no. i'm not going to defend that like it, it needs a better tutorial than it has but what is here is so much better than every other entry in the series that i've tried okay like that's I, fair i think the farthest i've ever gotten in a monster hunter game was about four hours and i'm All at right. eight right now but i'm actually enjoying it and i want to keep playing you know so yeah a, a couple tips just like as a semi newbie to other people who might be thinking about it try all the weapons seriously try all the weapons before you decide on one because some are just not newbie friendly nope. don't try a ranged weapon to start none of them are newbie friendly just the, don't what is it the chain blitz or something the one that's basically a submachine gun where you get all sorts of different ammo shells that one is okay as a beginner i still mm. didn't like it all of the ammo and coatings and all of that, like, it's just, it's yeah. overwhelming for a beginner. Like, I'm not, I don't feel like I'm even ready to tackle it yet. And like I said, I put eight hours into this game, which in a bunch of other games is enough to finish a game. So, right. yeah, like, stay away from ranged weapons, but try all of the other melee weapons and really find one that just kind of feels better than the others and then play around with it and you'll get better over time. Um, yep. The armor, because there are so many armor options, every time you kill a monster and you get new parts from a new monster, you'll unlock more armor options and some more weapon <laughs> options um, if you feel overwhelmed by that which i kind of did the bone armor is a really good starting point and it will get you through the first like the four hunter ranks probably so if you don't know what to do for armor just get a bunch of bone armor and you'll be fine don't sweat it too much i named my cat bramble pelt because that is the best name for a warrior cat and i had to point that out what did you name nope. your palico your cat poops poop sock Oh man, okay. Of course you did. Uh. <laughs> it's after my it's after a Star Wars okay. So there was a guy on Star Wars Gal not Star Wars Galaxy, Star Wars the Old Republic at the very beginning on my server whose name was Poop Sock Sock Poop. And first name and last name. And I thought it was one of the funniest things in the world. So ever since then he gets a name homage whenever I am able to name something. It's either Poop Sock or Duty Face. My Chocobo in Final Fantasy fourteen is Duty Face. Okay. And um, Final Fantasy fifteen. They he followed me along. Okay. Anyway, Monster Hunter. Um <laughs> So one of the other things I'm realizing here is that I think this game might be its own genre. You know, I was talking to you about this earlier. Like most games, I can decide within 10 to 30 minutes at the outside whether it's for me or not because I have so yeah. much video game knowledge to draw from. I can kind of contextualize it. That's not true for this game. I'm eight hours in and like I have tons of notes down here below that I'll organize and we'll be in a good spot to talk about by next week. But like I, I just can't. I don't have my head fully around it yet. I haven't fully grokked it, even though I kind of get the core loop and I'm having fun, which in the end, the fact that I'm having fun and I want to keep playing, right. that's the important thing. Um, but skills from other genres don't really transfer over. It's kind of a fighter, kind of a 3D person action game. It's kind of an action RPG. It's kind of a loot grind. It's also kind of a crafting game. And it's kind of like a hitbox centric game. Um, it's very much its own thing. So... One of the things I wanted to mention along those lines was like an approach and a mindset that I talked to some friends about that has helped me with the game. And that's think of each weapon as a fighting game character. Every single one is in the same world and plays by like some general same boundaries. Like you're always trying to defeat a monster, you know, by doing damage. But outside of that, every single one of the weapons controls so differently that it takes a different skill set. 
So keep that in mind when you're new to the game, too. I'm actually wondering, I haven't tried literally all of them because there's some of them like the uh, I think one of them's like a bagpipe that looks so support oriented that it didn't seem very suited for solo play. And I'm wondering if it's even really possible to use those in solo or if you need to have a party for stuff like that to really work. I think everything works solo. It's just how devoted are you to it? Nah, that's that's fair. I'm not devoted to some of that. Like the ranged weapon took way longer to kill than the katana. I'm using the katana right now on mine, and I like that one or like the kinsect pike or something like that, where you get a vault around. Oh, I really yeah. liked it, and the uh, katana are the ones that I've fallen for right now. So yeah, I I have a lot more to say, but I think I'm gonna keep it for next week. Do you have any like initial thoughts? Because you literally played the first hour and a half today, like earlier today. Uh, yeah, I. <sighs> I think I like the game, but I'm not sure that if it had been on Steam, I probably would have returned it Um, because it's not something that I'm going to devote like 80 hours to, but it's something that I can see myself picking up because of its structure and just kind of playing here and there that it's. The tutorial section is kind of, it, like you said, it's kind of lacking because the main thing is that they set you up when you're trying all of these weapons. They put you in a a basin with a statue and some barrels. And it's like that doesn't give you an aspect of how these things work in combat. So I've ended up going out and into killing things with the one that I like the best in terms of how it played. And so I think that they still have a bunch of of work to do in terms of getting that part right for new 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 players like us. And I also think that the messaging needs to be a little bit better even though there are tutorials everywhere. I still really don't know what to do in terms of crafting and putting the armor together so it's just really kind of piecing it together literally piecing it together on my own as i learn because there's no real um there's no real help on you know when you sell everything should i save everything what does it mean send to box things like that aren't explained terribly well for someone who's never played one of these before i mean we're gamers we can figure it out it's not as though you know in the first hour something's gonna you know game breakingly wrong uh and i'm gonna like lose everything i've worked for but it's like i don't know what this means so i'm just gonna press a button and that's kind of where i am right now I have probably a whole show worth of show notes already for this topic. Maybe we come back <laughs> next week and we talk Monster Hunter. You do have a ton of uh, ton of stuff on here. And you're going to play so, more between now and then, right? Oh, yeah, absolutely. There's After I've paid, full, f- paid uh, day one price for something, I'm not going to let that go. <laughs> okay, um, let's put that as our tentative topic for next week then, because there's a lot more Monster Hunter we could talk about. Um, for now, you can write us with comments, suggestions, or feedback. Our email address is geek2geekcast at gmail.com, or reach us on Twitter at geek2geekcast. We have longer discussion threads on the subreddit at reddit.com slash r slash geek2geekcast. And we're on Slack, so go to slack.geek2geekcast.com and kill part of your workday with us. And remember, we're part of the podcast network, like we mentioned earlier. You can head over to geek2geekcast.com to see if any of our shows tickle your fancy. I blog at agreenmushroom.com, and you can find me at grnmushroom. That's green mushroom without the E's on Twitter. I'm on Twitter as at Professor Beej. That's Beej with two E's. And I'm now vlogging at runningshoes.tv. We've been Void and Beige with your Geek Geek podcast. That'll do it for this week. See you next week, geeks. Bye, geekies.
Comics. Hey everyone, Rob here, your friendly neighborhood comic geek, inviting you to join me and my rotating cast of co-hosts each week on The Comic Box, where we tell you everything you need to know to become a world-class comic book geek. So join us for The Comic Box, each week, right here on the geek to geek Podcast Network. Hey everyone, I'm Katie. And I'm Chelsea, and we're the hosts of the podcast, Tea Time with Katie and Chelsea. We are two best friends who love pop culture. We try to have a female perspective on things, but we really just talk about anything we like. What are some recent topics we've done, Katie? Uh, well, we've talked about girl power songs, Wonder Woman, Veronica Mars, young adult fiction novels, San Diego Comic Con, and so much more. So grab your cup of tea or whatever your drink of choice is and download our podcast on iTunes or Stitcher and start listening today. Hi, my name is Joe Hogan, and I'm a geek. And if you're currently listening to this, there's a good chance you're a geek too. So check out my podcast, Geektitude. Each week, I talk with somebody about their geek aptitude. Sometimes I talk to people in a geeky profession. Sometimes it's someone doing something really cool with their geekiness. Often it's another geeky podcaster, but it's always someone who wants to share their inner geek. So join me each week as we come together to geek out about all the geeky stuff we love. And remember, this week, keep it geek. <laughs> 